Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We come to you as your men. We come to you believing that you will speak to us, which is specific to us, what you expect us to be. We are all on that learning curve, Father. We are still learning and we'll keep learning. But we have to stay learning, Lord, and become what you want us to be. There's a world outside and then there is your kingdom. We belong to the kingdom. Yet we have to go into that world. And when we go into that world, we need to be kingdom men, not worldly men. You called us to be light. That's all we have to be, just light. For light always dispels darkness. For darkness has no answer to light. Your word is light. The entrance of your word brings light. So even today, Father, I pray, Spirit of God, your word will shed light in us and inside us. And then, as we keep changing and becoming what you want us to be, we will become light. For it is written about Jesus. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. So speak to us today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We turn first to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8 and 9. That's where it all begins. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the dark, in the garden, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Okay, that's where all it begins. Now if you look at the construction of the two sentences, it is said, they heard. And Adam and, wife, and his wife, they hid. But when God calls, he calls only Adam. He doesn't call Eve. Okay, they hid. But the question is addressed to the man. Okay. And the question that is addressed is, where are you? Okay. And down the generation for 6,000 years, every generation, the question is repeated to the man. Remember in the entire episode, he never asked Eve, where are you? He asked Adam. Very clear, call to Adam. Where are you? And the question continues in every generation to that man. Where are you? Now God is not asking about his location. If he's asking about his location, then God is not omnipresent and omniscient. Present everywhere and knows everything. So he's not asking about his location. Okay. So then... What is God asking? Where are you? 
Perayer. So we don't go by the world, what we call popular culture. We go by the word of God. Okay. If you want to be a man of God, then you have to go by the word of God. There's no other way you can become a man of God unless you go by the word of God. If you turn with me to First Timothy chapter 2. And verse 12 and 13. Okay. Now, again, the Spirit of God through Apostle Paul. I have to keep using that, okay, because you know, there are a lot of people listening different places. If I say Apostle Paul is saying, then immediately they say, okay, it's Paul's opinion. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says the Spirit of God is speaking through Apostle Paul, okay? And, uh, we like one, verse 12, but remember, after 12 comes, 13. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. So here God comes to Adam, and he, Adam and Eve are there, but he calls out to Adam. Okay, There's something which is called first. A term that is used first. Okay. And it's a very important term. When you use the word first, when God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Or he tells an excellent, hardworking, laboring, discerning church like the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. But you have fallen from your first love. First love. We need to understand what God is saying. Because in the Bible, the Bible, the Bible begins by saying, in the beginning. And the Gospel according to John also says, in the beginning. Okay. So, it means first. When we say, for God, nothing is impossible, it does not mean nothing is impossible for God. Okay. There are certain things which are impossible for God. One, God will never lie. God will never lie. It's impossible for him to lie because then his nature changes. God never changes. Never changes. It's immutability. He never changes. God cannot change because he is God. Okay? Second thing, you need, another thing you need to realize is God can never be second. Understand that. God can never be second because in the beginning, God. God is always first. He can never be second. Because he was first. That's what it means in the beginning, God. The beginning was the word. Okay. And that's what he's telling the church in Ephesus. You're a fantastic church, doctrinally, discernment, hardworking, everything. But you need to realize, I'm not first. And even if I'm not first, I'm not there. I'm not there. A lot of struggles which Christians face in their life is simply the absence of God in their life is because God is not first. And because of who God is, God can never be second. So God for our own sake is saying, seek ye first God. And your first love should be God. God has to be first. So in the context of what we are looking at, man and God coming and asking man, the reason he comes and calls out for Adam is because in God's creation, Adam is first. 
Adam is first. And when Adam is first, it is a position of not just authority, because yes, authority comes in verse 12. It's a position of authority. The first has a position of authority. Second, it is also the position of responsibility. Because you cannot have authority without responsibility. The very purpose authority is given is so that you will be responsible. So if you look at Genesis chapter 1, which is creation, and Genesis chapter 2, it is practically specific to man. To man. Eve comes only at the end of it. It's entirely about Adam. Chapter 2 is entirely about Adam. And we do not even know, actually, how long was that time when Adam was alone with God. One day, one week, one month, one year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. We have no clue. So chapter 2 is all about Adam and his first. First. Okay. With being first, that is why in the Bible again, the firstborn. He has authority. He has unction. He has a double portion. It is all got to do with authority and responsibility. You have to put these both together. Otherwise, authority without responsibility is abuse. Because with authority comes power. Okay, authority without power also is meaningless. Okay, so on a general platform, if you have noticed, general platform, with authority comes power. And therefore, you will always, in most cases, see the man is physically stronger than the woman. That's the power. So usually, always commonly here is about men beating up their wives. Physically violent. Why? Because he is stronger than her. General cases. Okay? So you will see there is authority, there is power, and there is responsibility. Now, authority is given for to be responsible and not abuse power to beat up. So we have this question. That's why God comes and asks Adam because of the implications of the fact that he was created first. And with that comes everything. So God is not even asking. God knows everything. God knows who came to the garden. God knows who spoke in the garden. God knows who is deceived. God knows it all. But that's not the point. God comes and asks the question to the person who is responsible. Who is responsible. Because with being first comes responsibility. Okay. If you look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. The Bible says, God, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put a man. Yes, he put there a man. It's a man who is put in there. Okay, That's how the narration begins. A man is put in over there. Then he is given all the instructions and the responsibility. God knows that serpent came. He knows he lied. He knows he was deceived. He knows that deception and the action that followed triggered the fall. Okay. Yet the conversation is actually addressed to Adam. Adam. And Eve is addressed only when Adam mentions Eve. 
Where am I not mentioned? He probably got one haven't spoken to him. We don't know. Okay. In Genesis chapter 2, he did not have to worry about um, provision. Because provision was already there. But he had the responsibility of tending it and watching over it. Protection. Okay, his position involved tending, taking care of it and becoming more productive. I've given you a garden in seed form. Now out of this, I expect you to take care of it and it has to become better and better and better. If you look at all the men in the book of Genesis, God's men, they were all very productive men. What God gave them, they made it much more and more and more. Okay, remember that's what God expects from men. And the second thing he expects from men is that you need to protect what I have given you. And that's where he failed. And that's where the question that has been asked, where are you? Where are you? Have you failed in protecting what has entrusted into your hands? Have you tended to what I gave you? Have you watched over what I gave you? The question so by chapter 3, chapter 4 onwards, we will see problem comes because one, provision is gone. Now he has to work. Now he has to work for his provision because the ground is cursed. Okay. Judgment comes on the ground that man is going to. It's not going to produce like before. It's going to produce exactly the opposite. So man has to break his back now. Now, not only it is to tend and protect, he has to produce. Produce and protect. Okay. So first thing is that, see, God doesn't have corporate solutions. God does not have corporate solutions. God has only individual solution. And the individual he comes first to is to the man. Doesn't go to the woman. He goes to the man. So the solution lies with the man. Okay. If before you can have a solution, you need to fix responsibility. That's what God is coming and asking you these questions. Right? Where? Okay. Where are you? Who? What? Why? Then back to where? It begins with the question, where? Where are you? It goes to the question, who told you? So what did you do? Then goes to the next man and asks him, why are you angry? And then he asks him again question, where is your brother? Okay. Remember all the questions are addressed to men. Not addressed to the woman. All the questions are addressed to men. So the first thing on the way back to restoration, because restoration is again through man, the trouble. See, the Bible doesn't say Eve sinned and the fall of man came. No, it doesn't say that. The Bible says fall of man came through man. It doesn't even say the fall of woman. It says the fall of man. So we are not dealing with women here at all. We are dealing on men's day with men. Okay. 
So the first thing to any solution is we have to fix responsibility. We have to fix responsibility. In James chapter 4 and verse 17, this is what the Bible talks about the, the sin man is actually guilty of. 4, 6, 17. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Which is called the sin of omission. And most men will say, but I didn't do anything. And precisely that is the problem. You didn't do anything. What did Adam do in the garden? He didn't do anything. He didn't do? He knew what he should do. But he did not do it. Okay. He knew what he should do. Instructions are very clear to him. Very clear to him. And what he should have done, he didn't do. And what he should not have done, he listened to his wife and he did. But the first thing is that he is guilty of not doing what he should. So God is coming and addressing him, expecting him to take responsibility. But we know he does not. So what happens in the Garden of Eden is a, it's a microsum of all the trouble in the world. It's the collapse of the individual, that is the man, the leader, the first, the home, and with that, society crumbles. And the way back is not through the society. The way back is through the man. The way back through is the man. Therefore, almost every ill in the society can be traced back to man. Either the sin of commission or the sin of omission. Almost everything. If you look at Romans 5 and verse 12, though it is Eve who was deceived and ate and gave it to Adam, it doesn't talk about Eve at all. It says just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. It is through one man. doesn't talk about her. Sin entered, death entered. Okay. Therefore God's solution also would come through a man. Yes, born of a woman, but a man. But a man. God's solution was a man. All through the Bible, page after page, generation after generation in the Bible, what you see is God looking for a man. God looking for a man. In Ezekiel 22 verse 30, finally God says, you know what? Ezekiel 22 verse 30. So I sought for a man. He's not looking for a woman. He's not looking for a woman. He's looking for a man. Because only man can build a wall. A woman can't build a wall. Only man can stand in the gap. A woman can't stand in the gap. Before me, on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. You know what God is saying? God is saying, when I looked down into Israel at that time, plenty of males, but no men. Plenty of males, but no men. That's why I, God was telling me, get the men back. Because there is a confusion in this world. The confusion about gender. 
See, you and I cannot help but breathing the air that is out there. And there is this confusion in this world which has crept into the church. There are males and females, but there are very few men and women. Because you are a male does not make you a man. Why has the world come to the end where there is gender confusion? You go back to the root cause of everything, it is the man. Men stop being men. Therefore, women stopped being women. So the women started, or there was an abuse instead of being responsible. The men took their authority and power. Patriarchy was supposed to be a very benevolent form of kingship, lordship, where they protected and preserved the family. But it became very abusive. And finally, what did it lead to? It learned to feminism. What is feminism? Women acting like men. How does homosexuality happen? It happens because of abuse of boys. Why are the boys abused? See, there was this pastor. I mean, it was quite recent. A pastor who was preaching, who was preaching in a very large men's prison in U.S. Large men's prison in U.S. And then he asked this question as he was preaching to these men, young, old, all kinds. He says, how many of you come from a home where the father is missing? over 90% put their hand up. Either emotionally or physically absent fathers. It's the root cause of all the problems of society. All the problems of society. The absentee father. Okay. Whether you want to look at feminism, okay, which went to Moved finally into homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, all these issues are connected to man. And God's answer, solution back is again back through man. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. That's what exactly He is talking about. Everything. This way God comes and asks. He doesn't ask Eve, He asks, Where are you? Because we have to fix a responsibility. So God here is saying, I'm looking for a man. Looking for a man. You know the previous verses. There are kings, there are prophets, there are rulers, there are people. Everybody is there. But nobody is a man. All are males. But they are not men. But they are not men. Okay. And that's what God is talking about here. Where is the man? I looked for a man. And in the entire, you look through the page after page of the Bible. God is looking for men. We'll talk about the book of Esther. But it's not about Esther. It's about Mordecai. No Mordecai, there's no Esther. Esther would have just lived and lived her life happily in the harem without even knowing what it is to stand in. Who is standing in the gap? Who is the one who is making a wall? It is not Esther. It is Mordecai. I'm talking about two books in the Bible which is named after women. If you take to the book of Ruth, Ruth would have died a Moabitess in Israel if Boaz hadn't been there to redeem her. She's a woman. She's speaking gleaning the wheat. She would be gleaning and eating all her life. But God was looking for a man who would stand in the gap and redeem this woman. 
redeem this woman. And why I wanted also the reason, one of the things, one of the reasons, because the last two and a half years, three years, have been very bad for men. Because COVID came, and lockdown came, and work from home came. That was never God's intention. Men was never supposed to work from home. Men were supposed to work outside. The first two men after Adam, one was a shepherd, the other was a farmer. They were not working in home, they were working outside. Women were not supposed to work outside, she was supposed to work in. The problem is, if the man works from home, he will become like a woman. He will forget what masculinity is. And the woman will try to mold him in her image. That's why God sent man out and kept woman. Yes, you are one, but not same. One is masculine, the other is feminine. One is man, one is woman. Okay. So when the man comes back home, the one who comes back home is a man. And there is no confusion for the children. It's my father who has come back home. It's always the children are very clear. This is my father, this is my mother. But today there is confusion. They don't know who is who. Okay. And the single parent homes are increasing around the world. In most cases, it's by mothers. And the mother is both father and. And you know what? A single parent home is destructive actually to the children. Why? But the children grows up. The children grow up without understanding the difference between gender. They don't understand. The boys will be very, very soft. Very, very, very soft. They, they won't be masculine. They won't be men. Because they do not know what it is to be a man. Okay. They wouldn't know. And the girls that grow in that home will grow up without ever knowing what a man is. Because every girl child that grows in a home has to see her father. And her father has to be a man according to the biblical order. Because images are being imprinted in her mind. Because when she grows up, she's going to pick a man like a father. That's what she's going to pick. If it's an abusive father, she'll pay to get an abusive husband. If it's an alcoholic husband or father, she's going to get an alcoholic husband because that's the images. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's not okay. The images are getting in. It's a distant father. She'll get a distant husband. And the same thing is with the boy. With the boy. Okay. Remember, children are not, children are not born saved. Children are, you don't even know when they're going to get saved. But before they are saved in the first five, six, seven years of their life, images are so powerfully imprinted in their minds and their souls and then everything they are viewing us being viewed through that prism. That's why I always tell men, you know, when you go to work, leave your home behind. When you come back home, leave your work behind. Leave your work behind. In the Bible... Judges 4, 8 to 9. It is because a man is absent. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And what did she say? Verse 9. Hmm? Yes, sir. She said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. 
for the lord will tell sisera into the hand of a woman and deborah arose and went with barak to kadesh what do you get from this what do you get from this what do you get from this is barak is a male but he's not a man barak is a mas- ma- male but he's not a man okay. and that's why god had to use deborah god had to use deborah Okay. He's not responsible. He's not responsible. He's basic, basic, basically he's saying, if you don't come, let the land go to the dogs. Go to the dogs. Okay. So we need to understand, we have to fix responsibility where it lies. Okay. And God could not find any man. And finally, he came as man to take responsibility and fix the damage. Okay. So God's solution is always the same. God sent his only begotten son. Romans 5 verse 18. Okay. Therefore through one man's offense, judgment came into all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of all men. It's also through one man. It is through one man. And that man teaches us something. We have to look, because he's another title. One, he's a man. Two, he's a son. Three, he's a husband. Four, he has a title, which is called everlasting father. So this is the man, prototype. In whose image, Bible says in Romans 8.29, in his image he's transforming us. He's a son. That's what we all are. First, when we were born, we were born as sons. Okay? We were all born as sons. And then we know Jesus was a brother. Then we became brothers. Father siblings were there. Then we got, when we got married, we became husbands. And we know he is the husband of the church. Okay? And then we also know he is the everlasting father. So wherever you are caught, wherever you are caught, whatever stage of your life as a male you are, you have a prototype to look, look to. It is Jesus. Okay. It is not abusive patriarchy. It's a very responsible man he is. And to be a responsible man, this is what the Bible shows about him. His position, his authority, his power, how it overflows. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That one man, okay? Who being in the form of God. So he has position and he has got authority. He's first. He's first. And when he comes as man, he becomes the firstborn of the new creation. That's what the Bible says. Firstborn, he becomes first. Twice it uses in Colossians chapter 1. He's the firstborn, so he's first. Okay? And he didn't even have thinking that he was robbing from God if he claimed to be equal with God because he was equal to the Father. But, look at verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation. Okay? Of no reputation. Take that very seriously, men. There's one place you shouldn't be worried about your reputation at all. It's in your home. 
lot of men have issues. They feel their wives slighted them and insulted them and all those things. It touches their reputation. But he made himself of no reputation. And he was the only one who actually had a reputation. Ours is all make-believe. He saw us real. Second thing he did, he made himself the form of a bond servant. Okay. Now he's using his authority and his power to serve. That's a, that's a fundamental principle, purpose of position, of power and authority. Why does God give authority? What does God use his authority and power for? What does he use it for? He, use, he serves his creation. He serves his creation. And this is what the Bible says, what Jesus did. And how did he come? He came as a man. So he's God. He's God first. He's the first of God's creation. He's God. He's got authority. He's got power. And he's got reputation. He's got reputation. But when he comes as a man to his church, to his wife, he's not worried about his reputation. He takes the form of a servant. He uses his authority and power to serve. Okay? Power to serve. And if he doesn't, we saw Ezekiel 22 verse 30. Can I have a tea and a cup? I forgot to bring my glass. Okay? 22 and verse 30. And we'll go to 31 also. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one found no one. So what happens if God doesn't find a man in his house? You're married. You have children. You're male, but you're not a man. God's man. Not the world prototype. God's man. If you are not the man who stands in the gap, who builds the wall, if you are not that man, you refuse to become that man, then he says, all I can do left is pour my indignation on them. All I can do is pour my indignation. Because he says, the law is set. It will flow. Your home will be consumed. It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. It will be, it will be consumed. Your home will be, don't look at what your home is like now. Look into God's word. If we don't obey God's word and we don't follow God's word, he says, you know what will happen? Your home will go. It will go. Your home will be consumed. Why? Because you have to take responsibility. You have to take responsibility. And it is the job of the father to take responsibility. So if you don't take responsibility, the homes that have survived are the homes where the father just left, abandoned and left. And a godly mother held the home together. And the children grew up protected and well. But where the father was there and refused to take responsibility, in almost all cases, most cases, the house fell apart. Because the woman was struggling, struggling, because she can't become first. Can't become first. Okay. Because the first is, the first is missing, then automatically you move into that place, you become first. She's both father and a mother. But if he refuses to leave and he's there, but refuses to assume his responsibility and he's missing in action, he's a, he's a physically absent father. He's a f- emotionally absent father. He has, he, he does not give what the family needs. You know what? The house just dries away. 
Okay. Because laws have been set by God. See, you, you can only expect to reap what you have sowed. You cannot sow what you have been reaped. If you sow in the flesh, you will reap in the flesh. But if you sow in the spirit, sowing in the spirit actually means to obey what God has already spoken and shown because his word is spirit. It's written. These are parameters which God has put over there. Like I keep saying, God is building a home. God is not building a world. God is not interested in the world. God is a father. His church is his family. He's building a home. And when you go back, when you die, or Jesus comes, when you go to heaven, you're not going to office, you're going home. Please remember, you go to office for the sake of your home. That's the only reason you go to office. It's the only reason you go to office. And if you're a bachelor, you want to be celibate, the only reason you're celibate is for Christ Jesus' sake, for the kingdom. That is your heavenly home's sake. Even those who are celibate are celibate for the sake of their home, eternal home. You take the home out of your mind, of your picture. I'm telling you, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. Why? Because restoration at the individual level has to come back from man. It has to come back from man. God says, if I don't find a man... Standing in the gap and building a wall, all I can do is show my indignation. Nothing else. That's all I can do. Like I said, you go through the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible will you say, God says, I looked for a woman. Because I look for a man. Look for a man. And if you go through the Bible, you will hardly ever see God addressing a woman. Only once he addresses Mary. After that, all the addresses to man, to Joseph. He never addresses a woman in the Bible. Very, very rarely. He addresses a man. (laughs) Even to Abraham, he asks, where is Sarah? He doesn't ask Sarah, where are you? Okay. It is not privilege. It is responsibility. You need to be knowing where your wife is. You need to understand she may be 90 years old, but she's still grieving that her womb is barren. You may be cool because you got another son through a maidservant, but she isn't cool. You may be very satisfied with her, but do you understand what goes in her mind? Do you know what she goes in her mind? Where is Sarah? Okay. The questions are all addressed to men. Addressed to men. Okay. And restoration is in the hands of man. It's not in the hands of woman. Okay. Mary can only give birth to a savior. She cannot save the world. She cannot save the world. In the same way, today we are talking to men. So if you go to the final practically verses of the Old Testament, in Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6, the final verses The same thing is written. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, another man, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, another man. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. He says, if the fathers are not restored, the earth will be cursed. He's not talking about the mother there. He's not talking about the woman there. He's talking about the man. He says, restoration has to take place. The restoration has to take place. The man has to come back. 
The man has to come back. Man has to come back. So the old covenant ends with a promise of a curse. If I don't find a man, the only thing left is a curse. And that is why God comes as a man. Comes as a man. Okay. Galatians 3 and verse 13. Okay. He comes as a man. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. How did Christ redeem? The man hung on a curse, on, on a tree. He became the curse. Okay? He became the curse. And the one who hung was the everlasting father. Okay? And therefore now there is reconciliation in the spiritual realm with God the Father and his wayward children. There is reconciliation taking place. Reconciliation taking place. Okay. Get these pictures very, very clearly. Get these pictures very, very clearly. Okay. Because we have this, this mentality that, uh, I have provided for my family. I have done my part. So just one small part. The man hadn't fallen. He didn't have to provide anything for his family. It was already given. It was your irresponsibility that made you to work hard now to provide for your family. Other it was already given. So provision was already there. So God was not creating man to provide primarily. He says it's more than that. More than that. More than that. You provide the emotional, the spiritual support structure for the family. He says it's your responsibility. To watch and to tend a garden that is already there. Okay. Of course, to bachelors, I've said this. The first thing God tells bachelors is don't get married until you learn to work. Because the first thing God makes Adam is he put him in the garden and taught him to work. Take responsibility first of your own life. Of your own environment which I give on you, take responsibility. Once you are able to take care of yourself, then I will give you somebody who you can take care of. Because if you are a man who does not take care of himself, then how are you going to take care of somebody else? It's a very simple fundamental question. If you cannot take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of somebody else? And then when the children come, how are you going to take care of more of them? Because you don't take care of yourself anyway. Okay. These principles are all there. So the first, the first things men have to learn is to take care of themselves. Be very responsible. Very, very responsible. Because, like I said, all of Genesis 2 is about one man called Adam. So the way back, God's solution to the way back when restoration takes place is when the males become men. Biblical men, not the worldly men. The way back. God's solution does not lie in the world. It doesn't lie with governments. It doesn't lie with UN. It lies with the homes. And lies with the man in the home. Man in the home. There's an interesting episode. I think it was in the city of Philadelphia. When Benjamin Franklin, remember Benjamin Franklin, well, these are old time greats of US history. These were not the uh, times when I think electricity wasn't even there. 
And at night, the city used to be very, very dark. Poverty, darkness, crime was growing. Miserable. So at night, everything was dark. And Benjamin Franklin was walking around the streets and he felt very, very depressed. Because he saw the sights, people all lying on the streets, crime, everybody afraid to get out after dark and all that. Okay, So what he did was that. He went home, he lit a lamp and hung it outside his gate. And people walking by, they felt comforted by the light. And there was that one patch of light where there was no crime. Next day, something happened. His neighbor hung a lamp outside his gate. Within a matter of few weeks, suddenly the entire city, people were hanging lights. But do you know where it began? It began with one man. That's all God is saying. You be the light. You be the father. You be the husband. You be the man. You don't need a worldwide ministry. You just need a take care of your home. You be the light. And one by one by in your street block, it will, others will start lighting up. Will start lighting up. Okay. So that's what God is saying. He says, otherwise, all I have to do is, will have to do is, allow the curse to flow. Curse to flow. So God is, the way back is back with men. It's not with men. We should actually free the women. They're doing our work. They're doing our work. They should be freed to do what God has called them to be, do. Because we are MIA, missing in action, or AWOL, absent without leave. We are absent. First Timothy chapter 2, 8. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. First thing way back, men have to start praying. The first way back. Yes. I rely on my wife to pray me through situations, ministry and all. But I pray. The major part of my ministry, she was not even there to pray for me. Okay. When she came into the ministry, she only helped me. Okay, But the first thing God says is looking for men. Who pray. And today, the sixth day of August, if you cannot remember the date, remember it is Gracie's birthday. <laughs> okay, Gracie, she's a special baby because God restored a father and a mother's sorrow with another beautiful baby. That's why she's special. Okay, because we as a church stood by that we know the grief and the pain and the fear we went, went through during that process. We actually thought Apu was gone. Because even the doctor said she was gone. There's no chance she would survive. But God worked a miracle, brought her through, completely healed her, and gave another baby. So that's why Gracie is special. We know we are all outside the ICU. We were all outside the hospital, doing our turn, standing, watching. That's what I'm talking about. So if you don't remember any other day, remember it was Gracie's birthday. 
August the 6th. Okay, the first decision as men you and I have to make is we'll go back to our prayer closet. If you don't have one, make one. It is not necessarily a physical place, but it is a place. Wherever, your room, your bedroom, your terrace, whatever. There is only one way back, that is God's way. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere. If you want, if you are masculine and you want to be a man, God says, my man, start praying. Abel was approved at the altar. Altar signifies prayer. Enoch walked with God because he definitely had an altar. The first act of Noah, once he comes out of the ark, is to build an altar. Abraham is defined by his altar. Isaac is defined by his altar at Beersheba. Jacob meets God at different altars. You know what? They were all praying men. You look in the word of God and you look at those men who were men. All of them were praying men. Moses was a praying man. Samuel was a praying man. David was a praying man. Of course, there were scoundrels like Lot and Saul and Samson. You never see them praying. Unless they are desperate back against the wall. I'm going to die. Help me. They never prayed. They never had a prayer life. So you will see how they began and how they ended. The simple thing is they never had an altar. They never had an altar. And if there was a man who was extremely successful, but he never had a prayer life like Lot, you will see his family, entire family was cursed. It was destroyed. Simply because he never prayed. Never prayed. He never heard from God. Okay, so the first thing God is asking men is, okay, all young men, all men, even your bachelors, get this habit straight away. These are what we call disciplines. First things first. First part of your day, whichever shift you're working, whatever is the first part, whenever your day begins today, there's confusion about day and night also because that's the way we work. But doesn't matter. Whenever your time begins, when you begin, you begin with God. Because if God is not first, he will never be second. I'm telling you straight away, you may have all kinds of problems and situations. I'm telling you, God is first. He is first. The first part of your day, okay? Sometimes you may have to sacrifice your time there and wake up early. And trust God to give you the strength. After that, your body will get used to it. But the first part of your day begins to God. That is where he becomes first. That's why even Jesus, the man through whom redemption comes, the Bible says, early in the morning, he rose. He knew these guys, you can teach them as much as you can. Like we say in English, you can take a horse to the water, but you cannot make it drink. You can teach them, you can practice before them, but they have to do it themselves and they won't do it. They have to reach a crisis point before they will learn to pray. But he gets up. He looks for a solitary place early in the morning when it is still dark and the Bible says he prayed. He prayed. And Paul was a praying man. While he was praying is when Ananias is sent to him and his life is destiny is revealed to him. 
So the first thing God tells men is, I want men to pray. And when you pray, and if you're praying to God, remember, he comes first. He comes first. He comes first. Okay, he comes. You have to meet him first thing in the morning. Like I said, <laughs> you can't fool me. Saying that I'm so busy because I've done it all. Busier than all of you all. Where I had to do everything on my own, including ironing every piece of clothing in the house to save money. Okay, so don't tell me you don't have time. If you don't have time for God, you will have time for nothing in life. Ultimately, you'll realize you have no time. Because the one who created time, you did not have time for him. Okay. But if you have time for him, like Joshua, he will make time work for you. Get that very, very clear. Start today, August the 6th. God comes first and it begins with prayer. All the great men of the Bible by praying men. And if they were negligent, their homes fell apart. Homes fell apart. The man is negligent, the home will fall apart. Noah was drunk and his home fell apart. Abraham did not seek the counsel of God, he sought the counsel of his wife, his house fell apart. Isaac grew old and carnal, stopped praying, and his house fell apart. Jacob did not seek the wisdom and the counsel of God, got married to four different women, and his entire house fell apart. And Lot single-handedly destroyed his home. So the Bible says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. God comes first. The head of man is Christ. Head of man is Christ. So that man's head is governed by two things, the word of God and his prayer life. Both, not one without the other. Both, not prayer and no word, not word, no prayer, both. The word of God and prayer. That was Jesus' life because the head of Christ was God. So he showed us a way to men. Don't be weak in the word. Don't be weak in prayer. Second, lifting up holy hands. Hands that work and hands that protect and does not abuse. Hands that do not abuse. Never raise your hand against a woman. You don't do back? Okay. Okay. Get that things right, man. Okay. Don't use abusive words. Don't call your wife names or your children names. One of the first positions, authority God gave Adam was to name. He named all the animals. 
So it must have taken a long time. He didn't get married immediately. It took a long time, but God gave him. You have the authority and the power to name. And he named his wife too. He didn't call her names. He named her. Okay. Okay. Use good names. This all got to do with when you pray. What's the nature of your hands? What's the nature of your work? Hands always deny to work. What's the nature of your work? What's the nature of your work? God is saying, lift up holy hands. You know, it has become unholy, unclean. Go back. There's always a place for repentance. Repent. The word of God cleanses. The blood of Jesus sanctifies. When you surrender, the altar sanctifies. All it is there. But you need to go back. You need to go back. You need to go back. Lifting up holy hands. Okay. Go to First Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and come back. 3, 7. Not 8, sorry. 3, 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to a weaker vessel. As being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. He says, how you deal with your wife at home will determine whether I answer your prayers or not. <laughs> Very strange thing, right? We, we don't un- understand how God reacts. A lot of men, their prayers are never answered because they have short-circuited themselves in their homes. God refuses to answer their prayers. refuses to answer their prayers. He says, your prayers will be hindered. So the Bible says, I desire all men to pray, but how? Not with hands that beat up his wife or with mouth that has been abusing her. Okay? Okay. God says, be very careful about these things. Careful. Because you know what? If God doesn't answer our prayers, all our work is wasted. Unless the Lord builds Unless the Lord watches, everything that we do will be gone. Waste. Empty, empty, empty. God has to build, God has to watch. But he does the things his way. Things his way. So we men, God is looking for a man. So lifting up holy hands. Holy hands. Without wrath. See, God knows man. He knows man is fundamentally angry <laughs> after the fall. Fundamentally angry after the fall. Okay, that's why the first question outside the garden is, why are you angry? He's not asking any woman over there. He's asking the man, why are you angry? Why are you angry? If you do what is right, the simple thing is, men are all, most of the time men are angry is because they don't do right and they won't take responsibility. And they are angry. Expectations and reality may not match. But that doesn't mean you need to be angry. He says, you bridge the gap. You have this expectation from your spouse. But Bible says she's a weaker vessel. So live with her with her understanding. Okay, meaning, live with her understanding. Okay, this is my expectations. And this is what I want my wife to be like. But she's below expectations. So I live with understanding and treat her as a weaker vessel with honor. 
मुझे सो गॉड से विदाउट रात वाई जेम्स विल से द रात ऑफ मैन डस नॉट ब्रिंग अबाउट द राइचियस जेम्स वन ट्वेंटी डस नॉट ब्रिंग द राइचियसनेस ऑफ गॉड द रात ऑफ मैन डस नॉट प्रोड्यूस द राइचियसनेस ऑफ गॉड Okay. Now your neighbor may not even hear. You may not even have neighbors, or you may have this special apartment where are no common walls. But God watches, and God hears, and God sees your wrath. And He says, "You are supposed to be producing my righteousness." Romans eight one will say, "Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." And some versions stop there and doesn't continue. But there is a different law. What is that? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And those who are walking according to the spirit are bringing forth the righteousness of God. That will say in verse five or six or something. It will say we are producing the righteousness of God, right? Those who live, yeah, yeah, three and four. Okay, okay, yeah. Go to verse four. that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit so when we walk in the spirit we are fulfilling the law the righteous requirement of the law what is the righteous requirement of the law the law said thou shall not kill but jesus said i tell you this is what it really meant you know what is the righteous requirement of the law the spirit part don't be when we angry you don't have to be angry you don't have to be angry You can be angry over an issue. You can be angry over an issue, but once the issue is settled, you don't have to be continue walking in anger, angry with the person. If you're continuously angry, then you are not angry with the issue. Your anger was with the person, because every issue makes you angry. That means the issue is not the question. You are angry with the person. Okay, anything that person does triggers you. think okay i desire men everywhere to pray lift up holy hands and then without wrath without wrath okay without wrath meaning you need to have self control that's why in titus when paul writes tells titus both to the older men and to the young men one condition be sober be in control be sober don't be drunk in the flesh and you lose control be sober be very very sober how you talk what you say okay how you deal with issues okay by now you should learn how to handle why because we are on the way back to there's only one way back to restoration god is not looking for international restoration god is trying to restore homes and the restoration of the homes lies with the man i looked for a man I looked for a man, and the man is missing. He uses a woman, and where there is a man, he looks for a man. He looks for a man without doubting, without wrath, without doubting. James one six to eight. let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the lord he is a double minded man unstable in all his ways so god says be stable 
don't doubt because if you are stable in your word life and in your prayer life your doubt will go your doubt will go okay our major issue is because i'm telling you we are not sure about many things whether it is the will of god we are assuming and putting god's label on that i'm doing this for god but we never ask god did you ask me to do okay the church in jamshedpur i gave them three questions you all know the questions first question is what do you want me to do second question how do you want me to do third question when do you want me to do we never ask the first question what do you want me to do we do and we put a label in your name god says i have nothing to do with it <laughs> nothing to do with it okay then if somebody asks what do you want me to do and has a rough understanding what he wants to do will never ask how do you want me to do it and you lose your time energy resources that is moses in the wilderness called to deliver israel but never asked how to do it 40 years of his life gone just like that never asked okay and the third question is i got it you want me to do this you want me to do it this way but lord is this your time god will say wait is like Saul of Tarsus scales have fallen off baptized in the holy spirit straight away when and preach christ god said come back <laughs> let's go into the desert for 3 years this is not the time not the time it's not the time okay because right now what you are speaking is what you learned from the disciples in damascus you spend time with me when you go out you will be able to say that what i heard i heard from god your time hasn't come yet time hasn't come yet time hasn't come yet okay so lord of our issues is simply because we don't understand the will of god and god says when you understand the will of god don't doubt let men pray lifting up holy hands without anger deal with anger deal with anger seriously deal with anger and don't doubt don't doubt without doubting without doubt okay without doubt and ephesians 5:25 to 28 husbands love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word okay are you getting yeah that's enough that's enough. that he might present herself to himself without spot blemish all that okay so god is saying you know what generally when you are speaking the purpose of your speech is to sanctify sanctified okay to the point 
you should have lots of conversation, lots and lots and lots of conversation, lots of fun, all that. But when you are discussing an issue, it is to the point. This is where the dirt is. This is what I am addressing. This is where the problem lies. And it's consistent. Things have to be addressed. You cannot run away. You don't run away. If you run away, you don't have a marriage. You have a live-in relationship. You don't have a marriage. A marriage is you address issues, but you have to be very careful about why are you address. You're not addressing the issues because you're irritated. You're not addressing because you are angry. You're addressing because you have to sanctify. You have to clean this thing which is coming in between the two of you. There are issues which have to be addressed. Okay. Like I said, lots of marriages, relationships are like sweeping under the carpet. It's never addressed. Then one day, you lift the carpet, there's a pile of dirt. And the marriage just falls apart. Just falls apart. Don't assume, presume, I said, about your marriage and about your home. Even last night I was telling Ma, most of the marriages in the church survive because they are in the church. If the same couples were not in the church in the world, I'm promising you all their marriages would break down. Their spouses would leave each other because they wouldn't stay. By force, literally by the force of the pulpit, they are staying because conviction takes place. I shouldn't leave. Because men are not men and women are not women. They're male and female. They don't assume responsibility for their homes and the lives that have been entrusted. They don't lay down their lives. Everyone is picking their lives. And you have to be very, very serious about these matters. Okay? Because there is no guarantee. There are no guarantees. The only guarantee is the spirit of life. You do what God has told you to do, whether you like it or that's why the Bible says, husbands, how should you love your wives? It's Christ. How did he love? He laid down his life. He didn't pick his life. He laid down his life. His wife did not respond at all. She did nothing for him. She put him on the cross. He laid down his life. That's how he did it. He didn't get anything. He didn't get anything. But he knew his responsibility. He says he's to the answer, where is that man? Christ is on the cross saying, I am that man. Where are you? He says, here I am. He has the perfect answer. Where are you? Here I am. Who told you? Dad, you told me. It is written. You told me. What have you done? Exactly what you want me to do. I have laid down my life for my spouse, for my home, for your family. I have laid down my life. Why are you angry? I'm angry at the devil. I'm angry at sin. And you should be angry at yourself. I didn't protect. I was, I didn't learn. I did not, I didn't search these things out. I thought a career was more important. I didn't realize the home was what was important to God. I learned everything about a career. I spent hours and lakhs and lakhs achieving a career, but I didn't learn on what was important for God. For God, what was important was a family, the home. And I did not make my choices because I was ignorant. Ignorance is no excuse. You will still perish because God says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. But now that you have knowledge, God says, are you now interested in restoration? Interested in restoration. You have to look at these things. Okay? Look at these things. Okay? Because if you don't, it will continue. Okay. God says choose life so that you and your descendants may love. Your marriage may escape. 
just by the skin of your teeth. But your children's marriage won't. It won't. Because you already passed it on, the rot. It won't escape. Telling you, these are fundamental things, important things. Okay, you have to address these issues. These issues have to be addressed. You cannot brush it under the carpet. Because we are living in an absolutely the days the prophet spoke about. And the May the 19 signs are given by Apostle Paul of the last days. And it begins with the first one. Men, not women, men are lovers of themselves. That's a major issue. The major issue in today's current Christian world is men are lovers of themselves. They are pursuing their own pleasure. It doesn't have to be good or bad. It does not matter. If you are pursuing something outside the will of God, outside the parameters of God, even if it is good, it will kill you. Kill your home. Kill your home. That's what I'm talking about. It's not necessarily the bad thing alone will kill you. No. Because we're talking about time. And time is the most important part of a relationship. No? And like I keep telling, my parents were not Christ- um, not believers, but they were Christians. Okay, my dad was an alcoholic. Okay, but he became an alcoholic. But when he was not drinking, boy, oh boy, home was fun. Home was fun. Home, home was a happy, happy place. We always found something to do. Early in the morning, I mean, they were busy too, because he was a principal. We had school. Morning, he wakes you up and says, let's go play badminton. Here, I was a little boy. Let's go play badminton. Play. Then you get ready, shower, go to school, come back. You have to finish your chores, study everything. And after that, once your homework, all this fitting done, it's back fun again. We sit and play cards. We play chess. We play caroms. We will be playing something. All your memories about, see, the, the alcoholic part of it was all washed away by the happy home. All you could think about your childhood was two very proactive parents who were absolutely involved in the lives of their children. We played chess, we played every every game I learned, I learned from him, including football. Okay. There was no cricket. We didn't even know what cricket was. Okay. And that's where you have to realize. Okay. And the, the prime mover is always the head. The prime mover is always the head. Okay. Like, if I don't decide, there's not going to be men's meat. As the pastor, I have to make a decision. Okay. So as a father, you have to make a decision. As a man, you have to make a decision. All your bachelors, you have to get these ideas in your head. I have to make a decision. Okay. This is how the home is going to be. Going to be. And you have to decide. And there is always time for home. Because God always has time for his family. <laughs> okay. Get this picture, sir. Get this. And pray to God. Lord, help me to do well at work. That I spent less time at work. Yet, my needs of my home are met and I get more time with at my home. Because none of you are called into Paul's kind of apostolic ministry where he was a celibate. Even none of us are called into that. None of us are called into that. Not even me. I'm not. I wait every day to go home. Just waiting to go home. 
And I have to text and ask or call. Keep on. Can I go? 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 So that the place is secure. Can I go? Can I go? That's all I'm waiting for. To go. It's a question of going home. Okay, there's a place called office and there's a place called home. Look, my office looks like a home because I don't want my office to look like an office. I want, I only want a home wherever I go. I just want a home because I'm definitely sure in heaven I will not get an office. You need to go home and you should be happy to go home. All you men sitting there working in railways and IT companies and all, no, go home. Okay, go home. The first time I worked in Hyderabad, in Orient Longman, when I first worked as an editor in Orient Longman, I went in. And they gave me a cubicle which was next to the CEO. Young rookie. This man is sitting in his charwani and all Raja Rameshwar Rao, king of Anaprati, Orient Longman belongs to him. He's sitting over there. And I look straight, I look at the chairman. And look this side, that is the publisher. Here is me sitting with two young, other young girls, all, all young editors. One is from JNU, one is from HCU, and here am I from IFLU. Three of us sitting over there. Five o'clock is the time when technically office is over. I finish my work by 4.50 and I'm waiting. Nobody leaves. And I ask them. And the latest one is, nobody goes. Because all the big bosses have to go, then only we can go. I said, did they say? No. But how can we go? I said, have you finished your work? They said, yes. Won't go, go. So I also, poor fellow, sat first day, like till six o'clock. Second day, I looked at them and I said, you know what? I'm going home. I'm going home. You know what? I just packed, I'd finished my files, everything is ready, proofread everything, picked my back and walked right in front of the entire gang. Nobody said anything. Third day I walked. Fourth day I walked. Fifth day I walked. Next day, Monday, two of the girls also picked their bags and followed. So it was like Daniel. Okay. Okay. One man stood up for what he knew was true. It's not that I left my backlog work and then walked away. I never did that. Every day I finished my work on time. And I went home. He went home. And you have to ask God, Lord, give me the grace. Your prayers have to be right. Otherwise, you will never finish your work and you will never earn enough. You have to ask God, Lord, I need to finish my work. I need to earn enough for my family so that I can go home. I can go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. So, Lord, give me the grace. If you're asking for grace so I can earn more and work for more extra time, overtime, God says, go jump in a lake. (laughs) My son never had to work like that. He said he stayed 30 years in the home. Then I sent him out. When I sent him out, his cry was that birds have nests, foxes have holes, the son of man does not have a home. And the only home he was comfortable was at Bethany. See, even in his ascension, he would walk down to Bethany, one home that made him comfortable, took care of him, fed him. Okay. Get this picture, and it is in the hands of man. And all these years I can look back and say that. If somebody made my home home, it was my father. If somebody destroyed my home, it was my father. Both of us him. One because of alcohol, the other when he was in a sober, home was made home. It was not my mother. She cooked well. She did. But he made home home. And when he was drunk, home was not a home. <laughs> he also made it homeless. But when he was sober, he made it home. It always took the initiative. He made it home. So it's on us, the men. 
this on us. All who are young, get this picture. Why do you want to get married? Because I'm burning. No, that's just one scripture. You need two. Why do you want to get married? Because I want a home. Because I want fellowship. I want a person with whom I can talk and communicate and share. It's not good for a man to be alone. So the first reason was fellowship. Okay, Why do you want children? Because everybody is having children? No. Why do you want children? So I can raise them up. I can model before them. So that one day, they will also rise up and become somebody in God's hands. And two, they will also build homes and not houses. We are not civil engineers. Civil engineers build houses. We build homes. So that they will also build homes. For Enoch to be taken... To be raptured. For Enoch to walk with God for 300 years, it took the birth of a son. What transformed him was something that happened in his house. A son was born. And he heard God say, name him. The birth of a child in the house. That changed him. Changed him. My eldest son's wife, his daughter-in-law is pregnant. And impossible has become possible. Now he's sitting at his word. He's reading his word. He's praying. And every day he speaks over his wife's stomach. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good father. I want to be a godly father. He is, we are like ecstatic. But we couldn't do with all our prayer and preaching. One, one pregnancy. One pregnancy changed. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good father. Now he's praying. Now he's reading his Bible. Now he's speaking over his unborn child every day. Okay. That's how it works. That's how it works. Okay. That's how it works. Okay. One by one, we have to pray. They'll come through. What it will take them to come through is because what is salvation? What is salvation? Put it in other terms. What is salvation? Salvation is going home. My son was dead. He's alive. He was lost. He's found. But practically what happened? He just got up and he went home. Thank God he had a place called home to go back. Home to go back. This morning, that's all I wanted to say for the first day. Get this picture in, okay? Because the world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's it's passing away. The world is and its desires are passing away. But the man, the man who does the will of God, what is the will of God? Build your home. Watch over your home. That's what I said, Psalm 27, 127, people don't understand. Otherwise, why should be the transition from building and watching in verse 3 to children? He's not talking about your career. He's talking about your home. Why the transition? 
unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches. He's not talking about any city. He's talking about your home. The entire psalm is about your home. The Lord is building your home. The Lord is watching. You are rising up early. You are sitting up late for what? It's a question God is asking. For your home? For your home? Why is that the maximum number of separations and divorces took place during the COVID lockdown? Maximum number of fights took place also during that time. And maximum number of teenage suicides also took place during that time. Because God exposed the home. This is what your home actually is. You don't like being with each other. Your house was built on false foundations. The children never had a home. They were in the world. And when the world was shut down, depression hit and they killed themselves. Because there was no home. There was no fun at home. There was nothing to stay at home for. Understand this. Understand this. They don't have a home, they will go to the world. If there is nothing in the world, they will kill themselves. Because they don't want to come back home. Prodigal son wanted to come back home. And we are all one day going back home. Okay? A slice of heaven on earth should be our home. So, God asked the first question. Adam, where are you? I look for a man. And each one of us have to go before God and say, Lord, I will be that man. So help me, God. Help me, God. I will be that man. So help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. Shall we pray? We will close for today because it's 11.15. We'll close. And uh, we have worship practice in the evening. Father, this morning we have come together for the first time after a few years the Lord has men. Married and unmarried men. We all have our failings, weaknesses. You can name it, Lord. Our sins, our transgressions, our iniquity. We carry iniquity too, Lord. Many carry iniquity. What we brought from our fathers, what we saw in our own homes, and we carried it into our own homes, but that is no excuse. You didn't tell us to build a home after your father's home. You told us to build a home after your home. To be a father like you. To be a husband like Christ. To be a brother like Christ. To be a man like Christ. Not Adam. Not the first Adam. But the second one. There are only two Adams. We all have failed. But today, August the 6th, We men want to go back to our father and first be workers, hard workers, effective workers, not those who work long hours, but trusting God's wisdom and understanding to be effective workers who will have enough time for their home, to watch over our homes, to protect our homes, lest the curse come on our homes. To lift up holy hands. To be men of prayer. Men who will rise up early. 
and seek the face of God. Will distinctly hear from God about their homes, about what God wants us to do. Lifting up holy hands in prayer. Hands that are not violent. Hands that work. Hands that care. Without wrath. Receiving the fruit of the Spirit. Growing in the fruit of self-control more and more. Less and less and less given to anger. Learning to deal with issues quietly, consistently, with the intention that the two shall be one and not remain two after 50 years of marriage. But one. Living with understanding. Knowing that we are joined heirs with Christ, but co-heirs with our spouses of the same grace that saves us. Same grace. Without doubting. That when we come today, we do not doubt. That if we do what you tell us to do, you will restore our homes. Our homes will be happy places. There will be light in our homes. One lighted house at a time, we light up an entire city block. That's what we are called to be. One person, one home at a time. And when those 10 homes, 20 homes, 30 homes come to church, it becomes a happy church. That's our